And today, we're going to be talking about the wilderness. One person's excited. Because some of you guys are in the wilderness right now. And today, this message is for you. This message is for you. And I know I say this almost every time that I speak, and so many times you could hear a message like this and be like, oh, I wish this person was here to hear this. No, this is for you. If you're sitting here today, if you're at one of our campuses, this message is for to you today. And if this message had a title, it would be called The Power in the Wilderness. Power in the Wilderness. And so today, before we jump into scripture, I want to give a short definition of the wilderness because I'm telling you guys, me and Pastor Michelle and the rest of our pastors, we have a lot of experience in the wilderness. Can I get it? I hear Pastor Eddie over here saying, amen. We got a lot of history and experience walking through remote places. And me and Pastor Michelle were joking this week about it. And she was like, you know, we've been through it so much that we could actually start Josh and Michelle's wilderness safari tours. <laughs> we'll, sh we'll, sh we'll show you all the wilderness from the front to the back to the left to the right. We, we have experience walking through the wilderness at this church. And so a definition of it is a remote place. Who here is taking notes? Let me see some hands. Come on. Who here has a Bible? Come on, let me see a physical Bible. There we go. Come on, come on now. We got some physical Bibles. I don't know what it's like in Long Island or Indiana, but I see a bunch of physical Bibles here. Come on, you guys are the real deal here. And so it's a remote place. It has no appeal or comfort. Is never sought after. Has little to no life, water, or resource. And without God there, no one would ever want to go there. And even when he is there, people don't want to go there. Because it's a dark place. It's a remote place. It's a place that doesn't have any comfort. No belongings. It's just you and the Lord. And so today we're going to be unlocking, and, and I love this, this is the last parallel scripture, uh, uh, a sermon. We're going to be going through the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament showing about how the wilderness is going to unlock something in your life today. Are you guys ready for, for there to be something unlocked in you? And I see a desperation in the face of the people here. I see a desperation in Indiana and Long Island of saying, I've been in the wilderness. We're going to learn something today through his holy scriptures. Amen? And so Luke 3, Luke chapter 3. We're going to be looking at this and staying a little bit of time in Luke, and then we're going to go to some Old Testament scriptures, and I'll tell you guys when you need to go there and when you can, when, when I'll just say it really fast, because we're going to go through a lot of scripture today. But Luke 3, 21 through 22, it says this, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit des descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in which I am well pleased. Can you guys imagine this happening? And so many times we could read this and be like, oh, that's a cool story. What, what happens next? And it's like, wait a minute. 
The Son of God is being baptized, and the heavens rip open, and a dove descends on him in the form of the Holy Spirit, and literally they hear an audible voice from heaven. Have you guys ever heard that before? Have you ever experienced like there were, this was such a dynamic move of God in this moment? Can you imagine this? And so let's jump over to Luke 4, verse 14. It says this, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And church, many people want this to be their story. They have a dynamic time with the presence of God. And it, maybe it happened at your conversion. Maybe it was when you said, Lord Jesus, I'll give you everything. I'm sick of doing it my way. And, and the Lord gave you a promise and the Lord gave you a dream and the Lord did something in you. And immediately you want to go out in power and start to do all of the work. But church, I'm here to tell you that we cannot skip the verses 1 through 13. Do you hear me? We can't skip verses 1 through 13. And this is what it says, Luke 4. Let's go back a little bit to, to verse 1. It says this, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, which he just gets baptized, and what was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus wasn't just scroll, just, just having a scroll and, 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 and just walking around and saying, oh man, what, what am I going to do next? And he just finds himself in the wilderness. No, it says the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And there's something that we need to get in us today about the wilderness. There's something that the Lord does even in the own Son of God, there's something that happens in the wilderness, church, that if we miss out, if we try to skip steps, if we just go from dynamic times in our life going straight into trying to do ministry, I'm telling you, we are missing something about the power of God that is only found in the wilderness. There is something that is found in the wilderness that even the Heavenly Father wants to try to get into Jesus and teach him something. And I love this because during his ministry, he actually is not only led by the Spirit here, but he actually chooses the wilderness later in his ministry. Let's go to Luke 4, verse 40. It says not this, and this is after he comes out of the wilderness. It says, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons came out crying, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was Christ. And this is what we got to get in verse 22. It's at 42. It says this, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. He goes to a desolate place. He actually chooses it, church, because there was something about the wilderness that Jesus understood, that we have to have an understanding of a church, 
us at V1 Church, that we would have an understanding of what the wilderness actually does in our life. In Luke 5, there's a little bit more. It says, but now, this is verse 15, Luke 5, 15. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him to be healed of their infirmities. And in 16, it says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He would go to desolate places, back into the presence. He would go back into the hard place. He would go back into the desolate place to meet with his father. And there was a power from the Lord that he understood about this wilderness. And so we're going to go all the way back to Exodus. So we have Genesis and then Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible. So if you have a physical Bible, go all the way to the front and just go right after Genesis. This is Exodus 3. And we're going to go pretty fast here uh, because there's so much meat to this word. But the Lord speaks to Moses at the burning bush. And so Moses meets with God and there's this burning bush experience and, and he hears the Lord's voice. And, and, and the Lord tells him to go to Egypt, to go to Pharaoh, and finally let the people of God free. And it says this, the elders of Israel will listen to you. And this is, this is the Lord speaking to Moses in Exodus 3, verse 18. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders will go to the king of Egypt, and you will say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to our God. There are sacrifices made in the wilderness, church. And so Moses hears from him, and I love this because it was always the Lord's plan before they got to the promised land to go through the wilderness first. You hear me? The only, the only difference, though, with our story is that the Israelites took an extra 39 and a half years to get there. Because there's something about what happens in the wilderness. There is a testing that happens. And we can't shorten our time there, but we sure can extend it by sin. Come on, don't make me start preaching today. We get extended by 39 and a half years. And why it says they were a grumbling people. The Lord saw grumbling as a sin. Do you see grumbling and complaining as a sin? Because as a people, when we're deep down in the, in the darkest place of the wilderness, we could be grumbling and grumbling and grumbling and grumbling. The Lord's like, I'm just waiting for you to stop grumbling for me to do something in your life that you're never going to experience anywhere else but the wilderness. And so the, it, the, and this is amazing because all the way in Exodus 14, and so Moses does go there and the plagues happen. You guys know the stories. The plagues happen and Pharaoh says, get, get, get out of my sight. Finally, I'm releasing you. And it says this in Exodus 14, three, it says, and we got to get, there's something about this here that's so important for us to understand. Exodus 14, three, the Israelites exit Egypt and Pharaoh says this. He says, they are now in the wilderness, and it will shut them in. Now go and get them back. Natural man, our natural eyes can see 
nothing of value in the wilderness. But we serve a supernatural God. And we need to put our supernatural eyes on and say, Lord Jesus, even with my natural eyes, I don't see it. But I'm telling you, he is bringing water out of the bedrock for you in this season. Even in the driest places, he is parting the sea in your life. And he is providing provision for you. Because what happens is they actually do go through the Red Sea. He parts the sea. He makes bitter water sweet. He makes bread and manna fall from heaven for 40 years. There is constant provision for God's people in the wilderness. Constant provision. There is never lack. You guys hear me today? There is never lack. Long Island, Indiana. Miami, there is never lack in the wilderness. And this is a word that we have to get into our hearts because church, we are moving into a new season. We are moving into a new church age. And and me and Pastor Mike and our group have heard it prophetically. And we got to get this word deep down inside of us to have an understanding that I don't care what's happening in the world. I don't care who the president is. I don't care what's happening in politics. I don't care what the world is going on. But we serve a God. who brings water out of the bedrock out of nothingness the Lord creates something and there is miracles in the wilderness and there is provision in the wilderness and there is a life change and here's the deal church we cannot forsake the wilderness hear this Some of you have been forsaking the hard times in your life, and the Lord's like, if you will just give me everything and try, stop trying to make hard things easy. He's called us to go through the hard things because there's something that he's doing in us and through us that we will never learn anywhere else but the wilderness. Don't make me start preaching today. Come on now. You guys are firing me up. I don't know what it's like in Long Island or Indiana, but this, this group is a desperate group of people that say, I am willing to live in the wilderness. I am living to inhabit the wilderness. I am living to go through anything and everything because I serve a God who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And for as far as from the east to the west, his promises are yes and amen. Come on, church. We need a fire in our belly for this season. We can't be caught trying to live comfortable. Don't get caught by the comfort that the flesh tries to bring you. That's what happened to the Israelites, and they were for 40 years. It should have taken 11 days. 11 days from Egypt all the way to the promised land, but it took 40 Come on, are you, I'm I'm getting convicted myself. How dare I grumble about what the Lord's doing in my life? How dare I grumble about some hardship that I'm facing? Because he is a God who loves us. He is an earth, a heavenly father who came down. Come on, church. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to get back to Luke in just a minute and, and walk through the temptations that Jesus has because the, the, the devil loved it. That's where he tempts in the wilderness. 
And there's something that we're going to grasp and, and, and catch from this scripture. But in 1 Samuel 17 through 28, we got Goliath. And he's literally taunting God's people. And he's making fun of them. And he's, he's literally doing everything he can to taunt the name of God. And I love this in 1 Samuel 17, 28. It says, David comes out of where? Out of the wilderness. And in boldness, this is, this is the supernatural eyes we get. And everyone else is afraid of Goliath. He says, who is this man, Goliath? Who is this man, Goliath, who defies the army of a living God? That's a mere man right there. And in the same way Goliath is in front of him, there could be a mountain in front of you. And with our supernatural eyes, we say, that's just a mountain. That's just a mountain. And so David's brothers, they actually accuse him of pride and arrogance. And they're like, wait, you just left a couple sheep to come out of the wilderness to now tell us that we could beat this man that no one can beat? And he's like, yep. And I love this because there's something that David learned in the wilderness. He says, I could kill a bear with my bare hands in the wilderness. I could kill a lion with my bare hands in the wilderness. And all I need is a stone to kill the giant in front of me. I don't need the swords. I don't need the armor. I don't need the, all the training that you have been through. And I don't need the su success seminar that you've been through. I don't need all that the Lord's, th that, and there's something that the Lord is doing in David here that is so supernatural. That in the natural eyes of the flesh, you can't beat Goliath, but God. Come on, but God. Everyone say, but God. 1 Samuel 23. David and his men, where, this is 1 Samuel 23, verse 24. David and his men, where did they live? They lived in the wilderness. They lived in caves, and this is the mighty men of God. Where did these men become mighty, may I ask you, in the wilderness? Mere men become mighty by the supernatural power that's found in the wilderness. And I'm telling you, church, if you could get this into your soul today, that he gives us promises the way that they are fulfilled is through the process that God has for us, which is called the wilderness. And some of us can forsake the promises of God because we're not willing to go through the process that he has for us. And the promises get fulfilled and promotion comes walking through the wilderness through every season of our life. And talking about that, we're going to get into one more story before we get back into Luke. Is that okay? Is that okay, church? Genesis 37. So all the way back to the first book of the Bible. That's an easy one. Genesis 37 all the way to 42. We're not going to actually read all this. I'm going to try to paraphrase the best that I can because there is so much scripture. But I want to encourage you, when you go home later today, read this story. But it's a story of Joseph. Who here has heard the story of Joseph? Yeah, most of us. Well, you're about to hear it. So Joseph is a 17-year-old Hebrew, and his brothers hate him. It says that he is despised by his brothers because his father loves Joseph more than his other brothers, and he gave him a really cool jacket. You guys know about the jacket, right? The tunic, the, the, 
it's got many colors on it, and it's like a, it's as beautiful as a rainbow. And his brothers are like, I want that jacket too. And so this is what happens. Joseph has two dreams. One dream he has of his brothers literally bowing down to him and him reigning in authority over him. And he gets this dream, interprets it from God, and he immediately goes to his brothers and tells them, let me just give you guys a word of advice. If you ever receive a dream like that, don't tell your family. <laughs> don't tell your brother. You don't. And, and here's the deal, you guys. This is showing us the immaturity that Joseph is living in. And there's going to be something that the Lord does in Joseph. That when he comes out of this, it's going to completely change his life. And he has a second dream, one of it, not only his brothers, but his, his mom and his dad bowing down to him again, him being high and lifted up in authority or some, some form of authority structure. And so his brothers are like, we are getting rid of Joseph. We are going to kill this guy. And I'm like, man. And so chapter 37, verse 22, it says his brothers conspire to actually kill him. And they're like, wait a minute, let's not kill him, but let's, let's steal his jacket put blood on it, give it to our dad and tell him Joseph was killed and then let's actually throw him in a pit. And so they do that. They throw him in a pit. Where? In the wilderness. And so then they get somewhat of a conscience, just a little bit. And they're like, wait, we don't want his blood to be on our hands and him die in there. Let's take him out and sell him into slavery. And so they take him out of the pit and they, they actually sell him into slavery and, and this, this slavery takes Joseph into Egypt, where he's sold again for a second time, and now to Potiphar, which Potiphar was one of the highest officers of Pharaoh at that time in Egypt. And I love this in chapter 39, 2 through 4, it says, the Lord has favor. Everyone say favor. favor. Let me hear it louder. Favor. favor. The Lord has favor with Joseph. And Potiphar makes him overseer of his house and everything else in that kingdom. And so even in slavery, even in the wilderness, there is favor from God for Joseph. And so right away, it says in, in uh, 39, 7 through 9, it says, Potiphar's wife begins to look at Joseph and says, lie with me, Joseph. And what does he say? He says, how can I sin against my God? And we see the Lord doing something in Joseph here. Even being sold into slavery again and again, being a slave, being thrown in pits. He says, how can I sin against my God? And it says in 39 verse 10 that she goes after him day after day after day after day. Literally, years and sometimes we could hear this story and think that it went really fast. He's, he's in slavery for years here. And it says that she goes after him day after day after day until one of the last times. And he keeps fleeing. He keeps fleeing. He's like, nope, not today, not today. And the last time in 11, it says that he flees from her. He actually runs and she grabs his, his, uh, the jacket that he has. And he runs away, but she has his jacket, and she actually goes to Potiphar, and, and then all of a sudden accuses Joseph of doing the very thing that she was trying to do to him. And so, of course, Potiphar believes her, and it says that he gets enraged. 
And in 39 verse 20, it says, Joseph is then thrown into a dungeon. He gets thrown into a prison. And this is not a prison that we think of here in America or wherever you live where you get, you know, three meals and a bed and you could watch Maury during the day and all of those things that happen. This is a Middle Eastern cistern that's not taller than four foot. And this literally, he's, he's laying on the rock. There is no water there. There is no light in here. There is no resource there. And he gets thrown in there literally from fleeing from sexual impurity. But wait, 39, verse 21 through 22, it says what? The Lord has favor with Joseph in the prison, and the prison guard actually makes Joseph in charge of the whole prison. And so there's continuous favor from God in the hardest, darkest place in Joseph's life. And the Lord is doing a deep work in Joseph. And all of a sudden, Years, years go by, and years go by, and there's a baker and a cupbearer, and they have dreams, and they go to Joseph, and he's like, you know what? Those dreams belong to God, and I, could, I, I have the ability to interpret Scripture and interpret things, and I'm a prophet, and I can interpret dreams. And so he goes to them, and he tells them the entire interpretation, both for the cupbearer and for the baker. And before they go in front of Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh these interpretations, Joseph is like, wait, 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 hold on, guys. Come back. Please tell Pharaoh about me. I've been wrongly accused. I've been thrown into prison. I did nothing. I, all I did was, was profess God and do the right thing and flee from sin. And they say, okay, Joseph, we'll tell him about you. But in 40 verse 23, it says, the cupbearer gets restored but does not remember Joseph. And he is forgotten about in prison. And so Joseph had a dream that God gave to him. And by telling that dream, got thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, sold into slavery again. He continues to honor God. He flees from sexual impurity, and he still gets thrown in a prison. And now he interprets this dream and thinks, this is my way out. And he gets forgotten about church Hear this, his life has gotten worse every time he has obeyed God in the natural. In the natural. How many of you in your lifetime, it's like, I've done everything right. I serve and I tithe and I do all these things and I give to my community, but still... He hasn't released something to me. God hasn't opened the door yet. I'm still found in the wilderness. There's something for us today, church. Are you getting this deep down inside of you? He has done everything right, and his life has gotten worse in the natural. And it says in 41 verse 1, another two whole years pass. Another two years and Pharaoh now has a dream, and this is what's amazing. That finally, the cupbearer, and this is in 41, Exodus 41, 14 through 16, uh, and in 9 and 13 before that, it says the cupbearer finally remembers Joseph. 
And he's like, wait a minute, Pharaoh, there was this young Hebrew that was in the prison with us, and he was able to interpret our, uh, my dream. And so Pharaoh says, go get Joseph. I'm going to tell him my dreams. And I love this in 40, and, and I'm telling you guys, this is what we have to get. This is what we have to grasp. This is the understanding that we need about the wilderness because it has done something into the heart of Joseph by what his response is here. Exodus 41, 14 through 16. It says, Pharaoh goes to Joseph and he tells him, and he says, can you interpret my dreams? And this is what he says in 16. He says, it is beyond my power to do this. But God, come on. He says, it is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and he will set you at ease. Come on, he will set you at ease. And this is what happened into the heart of Joseph, once a 17-year-old little punk who said, I can interpret dreams and it's my power and I have the ability. And the Lord brought him through the wilderness Come on, there is power to be found from the Holy Spirit in the wilderness where he says, the power is beyond me. But God, everyone say, but God, but God, but God. Every single circumstance you are living in, every single wilderness season you are going through, every single sickness that you have in your body, but God. But God, church, but God, he will set you at ease. And this is the promise that we have through scripture. This is the promise that we stand on. The Lord has done something in the heart of Joseph. There has been a humbling and an awareness of where that source of power comes from. And I love this, and we're going we're gonna to go over to, to, to Luke in just a second. Are you guys still tracking with me? Is the Lord doing something in your heart? I see it prophetically. I see literally the Lord. He's, he, right now there are wheels spinning and turning, and there are things that, that he is speaking to, so don't miss out today. Do not, if you got to put your phone, because we're going to be ending this in a minute, but if you got to put your phone on do not disturb and say, hey, don't talk to me for the next 10, 15 minutes because the Lord is about to do something dynamic in my own heart. And maybe the, the, the very season that you have been forsaking is the very season that he is going to fulfill his promise in you. And I love this because Joseph later on and, and he gets literally what, what his dream said happens. Pharaoh's like, oh my goodness, who is this man? Obvious, it says, obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Since God has revealed the meaning of this dream to you, clearly no one else is intelligent or wise as you, Joseph. He humbled himself. What happens when we humble ourselves? We get exalted. And so it's not about us wanting the stage, wanting the microphone, wanting the influence. It's, a, it's about us being a church that says, I will wash the feet first. I will go through the wilderness first. And there is where the promotion is at. It is in the wilderness where the promotion comes from God and God alone. And I love this because he ends up getting restored with his brothers. 
And in and, and 44, and I'm not even going to read this, but, in, but the, 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 the last verse of this, in verse 8, it says, and, and this is Joseph talking to his brothers who, who literally threw him in the pit, who literally sold him into slavery. How angry would you be? Would you be able to forgive? You know how many years this is later? This is 22 years later. And some of us can't wait 22 days for the promise of God to be fulfilled in our life. He was willing to wait 22 years, and he says this in 8. He says, so it was not you who sent me, but God. The mercy that the Lord has for us in the wilderness is the ability to forgive those that in the natural we cannot forgive. In the natural, you can't do it. You can't do it by your own strength. You can't do it by your own might. You can't put your bootstraps on. And someone who has traumatized you and hurt you and abused you, you could say for years and years and years, one day I'm going to, maybe I'm going to, you know, there'll be restoration or I'll, I'll be able to forgive them. And the Lord says, forgiveness is found in the mercy that I give to you. When you have nothing else, when you are found at bedrock, that's where the water comes out that's where the spirit flows for us church and there is grace on you for you to forgive every person who has hurt you to forgive every person that has traumatized you every person who has abused you some of you have been trying on your own strength and the lord says son daughter come to me come to me come to me all who are weary all who are hungry all who are laden all who just need a word and come to me and give me everything and there is comfort found even amongst the rocks even in the wilderness. And so he spends 22 years of his life there, church. And he sees the power of God so much so that he tells his brothers, it wasn't even you who sent me here, it was God. Can you say that about the hardship in your life? Or are we forsaking what the Lord is trying to redeem and teach us something in this season? Some of you have been forsaking something and saying, oh, that's just the enemy. That's just the devil. Actually, the Lord has allowed it to come into your life to teach you something and, and for, for you to walk through the wilderness in that. And there is an endurance that he's teaching you. There is an endurance that the Apostle Paul found with being bit by snakes you know, and Pastor Mike has been going on this amazing journey, the Apostle Paul journey of going on the island, being shipwrecked, being bit by the snake, and going up through Italy. Pastor Mike has been taking that journey. And there is a journey that the Lord is calling us to go through. And it's called the wilderness, church. Man, I just feel the presence of God moving. Oh, Lord Jesus, not our words, not our might, not our will, Lord, but your will be done, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus, convict our hearts in this moment, Lord. Continue to do a mighty work, Lord. He's doing a work. I see it. 
prophetically, I see it at every campus. In this campus, I've been, I've been looking at you guys' eyes, and I literally see the Lord doing a dynamic work in you. Don't make me start prophesying now. <laughs> I'm seeing, I'm still the Lord, the Lord's speaking right now. Come on, the Lord's speaking right now to you. Let him speak to you about your situation. Let him speak to you about it in Indiana, in Long Island. Let him speak to your situation. I feel his work. I feel it. There, there's a, 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 a resource that's literally coming out of nothingness right now. The Lord says, watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do, church. Watch what I'll do, church. Let's go back to Luke. We're going to finish the story here in Luke. I know I've gone over time. Is it okay? A little bit? <laughs> yeah, Pastor Eddie's like, no, no, he's, he's. <laughs> in Luke 4, and I believe that this scripture right now is about to teach us something. And even as I'm preaching it, I believe that the Lord is going to prophetically speak through this word right now. In Luke 4, verse 1, again, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days. And he was also, while he's being tempted, fasting for 40 days. And I struggle fasting for like, I, I tried to fast coffee the other day. Nope. Whew. I get fast food. I'll fast food for 40 days, but give me my Dunkin' cold brew with caramel and cream. Can I get an amen? From all my Starbucks people, can I get an amen? <laughs> it says this in verse 3, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written... This is why we need the word of God in us, church, that when temptation comes, we say, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Satan was saying, you say you have the power of the word in you? Look after yourself, Jesus. Seek ways to make provision for yourself. Command the hard places to go away, Jesus. If you say you're the son of God, command this hard thing to become easy. Command this hard thing to become soft. And the Lord says, no, 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 for it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone but by the very words of God saying, I haven't been sent into this world to be served, but to serve. I have not come into this world to make hard things easy, but I've come to walk through the hard things. I have come here to walk through the wilderness because I have a power from my heavenly father that fills me. And he says, I will do my father's business. Who here wants to do your father's business today in this church? I want to be found doing my father's business, even in the hardest places of my life. And I love this because in verse 4, 16 through 21, a little bit later, this is after, and we're going to be ending here shortly. The band could come up and join me up here. It says, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue. Everyone say, as usual. As usual. 
As usual, he enters the synagogue on Sunday. Come on, everyone at home who lives near a campus. Get here. At a, if you live near a campus and you're not currently coming and you live five minutes away, come on, as usual, come and fill the house of God and worship with us. Hear the word of God being interpreted to you. And so we thank, if you're here in this house, and I know there's so many people watching online who live in other countries, start a revival home in your house and invite the community and say, as usual, we will meet on Sunday. And he, he, uh, it says that he unrolls uh, uh, a script from Isaiah, and this is what it says in 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Come on, church. Release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I love this because this shows you the temperament of Jesus here. It says he rolls the scroll up, he gives it back to the attendant, and he literally comes and sits down on a, on, a, on a chair. And he's literally like this. And it says that the entire synagogue is staring at him. The entire synagogue has, has their eyes locked on him. And he says this in verse 21. Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. He said, I'm... What Isaiah was talking about, it's me. It's me. It's me. And I've come here to set the captives free. I haven't come here to serve myself or to be served, but I have come to serve you. And at my even very death, I will still wash the feet of those who de deny me and betray me. That's what Jesus says. That he didn't come here for himself. That the Spirit of God is upon him. And, he, and, the, and the Spirit didn't come on him to make hard things easy. And there's something even about these temptations that Jesus is going through that he's teaching us today. That he says, you will be tempted in the wilderness. You will be tempted like the Israelites. But are you going to grumble or are you going to fall to your knees and worship to the living God who provides every single resource for us? that we can even walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we will fear nothing but our God. And the Lord is restoring a fear back into his bride, church. Do you feel it? This is a time and a season where the Lord, he is instilling and installing a fear of God. Let me tell you something about the fear of God. I know sometimes, especially if you're new to church or, you're, or, or you've been saved for just a little bit, you're like, what does the fear of God mean? Does it mean that I'm actually afraid of the living God? No, he is a loving father who sent his son for us to die on a cross. So we're not to be afraid of him, but this is what it is. It means to be terrified, to be out of his presence. It means to be afraid, to be out of the presence of God. It's for us to say, Lord Jesus, I don't know what you have for me, and I don't even care because whatever it is, I will walk through it because you're going to give me the resource. You're going to give me the power that is found dynamically in the wilderness. And, and the enemy keeps tempting him and keeps tempting him, and he tempts him three different times. And it's like the, 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 the enemy keeps trying to make him do things to make things more comfortable. And Jesus says, I haven't come here to be comfortable. 
And I love this about Jesus that later in his life, he says, now my father sends you to do my work. And he says that to us today, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus to this earth, that we would be ones who open doors and wash feet, that we would be the ones that say, Lord Jesus, I don't care what has happened in my life, all of the things that I have been through, but I know that you are my comfort that you are my joy, that you are my provision. And I want to end with this. I got so much more. This is part one of like a part five sermon. So I'll, maybe next service we'll go a little bit more. So stay here, okay? Stay here. Everyone in Indiana, Long Island, stay here for the next service, okay? It's going to be a little bit different of a sermon, maybe next service. But I have this here that's sitting on this, and I know you guys are like, what is this? But there was a season of my life where I went through one of the hardest, challenging times of my entire life. This is before I was a pastor at V1 Church. I was actually an pa uh, executive pastor at a different church. And it was the hardest season I ever walked through, and I remember having accusations and betrayals and feeling like I was thrown into a pit, feeling like I had personally failed thousands of people, feeling like there was nothing that I could have done and everything that I worked for and everything that I was striving for got literally the floor dropped out beneath me. And it was the hardest season, one of the hardest seasons of my life. And I remember going into my office at the church and I closed the door behind me and I sat down on my chair and I was, I literally was at the lowest point. I'm just like, Lord, why? Why have you allowed this to happen? Why have you been having me work? And I have dreams that I've seen and I, all these things. And I was like, why Lord, why Lord, why? And I looked down and I see this and I framed it. I don't know if you guys will be able to see this, but if you want to zoom in close on the camera to this, this is a napkin from Little Caesars. All you New York people, I'm sorry that it's Little Caesars, okay? But in Indiana, the $5.99 special for youth is nothing better. But I see this sitting on my desk, and it says, We are the wild ones, written in pen. And I looked down on that, and I said, Pastor Mike has been in my office. And this was before I was at V1 Church. And I've known Pastor Mike for a long time, for years and years and years before V1 Church existed. And I saw that, and there was a revelation that hit me. And I began to weep at my desk. And I'm telling you, church, there is a beckoning that the Lord is calling. And this is what our lead pastor, Pastor Mike, this is years and years ago, before I was at V1 Church. But, but our lead pastor now was beckoning me He's saying, Pastor Josh, come and live in the wilderness with me. You want to be a wild one? This is what a wild, when we say we are the wild ones, that means we are willing to go through the hardest of seasons, to go through the most difficult of seasons. And yet, church, but God, but God, but God, but God.
but God, but God, he will bring resource from nothing. And even at our lowest, if a few people can get on your hand, on your feet right now and worship God and say, even in the hardest place of my life, even in the hardest times of my life, I will be a wild one. I will be a wild one. He is calling us in to the wilderness with him into the wilderness with him come on church bring it down for just a second bring it down bring it down i know nick is like wait a minute come on now let's give it up for nick over here i'm telling you guys okay so i see that i i i hear the lord speaking prophetically right now in every single campus if you're not on your feet stand on your feet because i believe that the Lord is about to do something in you and through you that you have never experienced in your entire life. And you are leaving this place today. You are leaving Indiana and Long Island different because we serve a God who loves his children, who loves his children, who loves to spend time with his children in the hardest, darkest places of our life. And as I was preparing for this message, I kept hearing the voice of Pastor Julie singing a song that, do you guys remember the song that she sang at the conference? Do you guys remember that song? Come on. That song was written in the hardest, darkest place of Pastor Julie's life. That song was birthed out of an offering to God where she said, Lord, I will give you my oil. I will give you my oil. The little that I have, Lord, I give it to you because what you say, I believe. What the promises that you have showed me throughout my life are yes and amen. Yes and amen. And no matter what you are going through today, church, there is oil that the Lord says, pour out upon my feet and watch what I will do. The Lord says, watch what I will do. Watch what I'll do in your circumstance. Watch what I'll do in your life. Watch what I'll do in your hardship, in your pain, in your sickness. Watch what I'll do. And so she said, and she sang, and she said, Lord Jesus, you said it, and I believe it. You said it, and I believe it. And so, Lord Jesus, we come here today, and we say, if you said it, if your promises are true, which they are, if your scripture is true, Lord, we believe every single promise. We believe that if you said it, that we will walk in it. Come on, sing it out. Sing it out. Sing it out. Sing it out, church. Come on, sing it out.